Um, if you have your Bibles, please go to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and we are in uh, verses 14 through 19. Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 19, if you have a Bible with you. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we'd like you to leave right now. No, I don't mean that. No, we want you to use the screen behind me, which I love. It kind of gives me the freedom to just uh, focus on the verses, and uh, uh, I have my own personal screen right back in the back there, so you may not know that, but uh, uh, it's really, really neat to have that option. So, but if you do have your Bibles, go to Philippians 4, 14 through 19, and uh, I'm going to read that, and then I'll pray. Uh, Paul's addressing the Philippian church, and he says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, uh, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, this is a, a sermon that has, uh, you have been applying in my own life. And uh, I am so excited to be working through this passage with you. You've been teaching me about something very important in these last years, and I'm so excited to share this with my friends here today. And I just pray, Lord, it would actually be you sharing it to your children today, and that you would use me just as a tool and a vessel and a conduit channel for the Word of God through the Holy Spirit. Lord God, what we hear today may change our lives for the rest of our, of our time here on earth. And, uh, and if we're walking in what we're going to talk about today already, it'll just reaffirm that we're doing the right thing. And I pray for each person here, Lord, as, as others have already prayed, as they bring their need into church with them, the unresolved needs that they have, may they gain hope and excitement and joy at what they're going to hear today. This is an encouragement, Lord, and we need it, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I started, uh, uh, I was commenting to a friend of mine that I'm done with the book of Hebrews now, which was 14 months long. And uh, I prayed, God, what do I, what do, I do through the summer? Uh, I, you know, it's, summer is always a funny time. And, and I feel that the Lord led me to a series entitled Go-To Verses for When the Going Gets Rough. Go-To Verses for the When the Going Gets Rough. Because... In the last, well, really my whole Christian life, but in a unique way in the last seven, eight years, nine years, Debbie and I have gone off on new adventures in ministry and in life, and uh, adventures that have had their peaks, but they've also had their valleys. And in the valleys, in the tough times, in the rough times, God has given me a new perspective on some old verses and a new perspective, or a perspective on new verses. And so I thought, I, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to share this with my church family, some of the verses that I've gone through uh, that have helped me personally in a great way. And we talked three weeks ago about fear. 
Fear. We all face fear in one way or another. And we went to Isaiah 41.10. And then anxiety. Anxiety. And we looked at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I hope you gained some new insights there. The third week, last week, we talked about the fact that, uh, that God is still in control. We were in Psalm 31 and talked about um, that our times are in God's hands. Thank goodness for that. Amen. So today what I want to do is to hopefully give you a new perspective on a time-worn passage and especially a time-worn verse, and that's Philippians 4, 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And then also the context of that, verses 14 through 18. And the title of the message today is When God's Supply Meets All Our Needs. When God's Supply Meets meets all our needs. How much supply does God have? A lot. (laughs) Well, actually, an infinite amount. God has an infinite amount of supply, and we have needs. And God says to you and to me, regardless of what your needs are, I will supply those needs. It's very exciting. So I want to talk about when God's supply meets all our needs. The word all here in the Greek in, in, in uh, Philippians 4.19 means all. Okay? It means all. No exclusions. Now, I don't know what you came in here with this morning. For, for a few of you, I do. But really, in a, size of, a crowd this size, which is pretty good for the middle of the summer. Kudos to you for being here. Um, I don't know what your needs are, but I don't need to know. Because God, all of God's power and strength and sustenance will, all of his supply will meet your needs. Now, I'm going to talk about four things here today, slowly moving into the center of the passage. First of all, I want to share that personal needs are part of every believer's life. Personal needs are a part of every believer's life. There's not one of you here today that, and including myself, that does not have a small or medium-sized or gargantuan need in your life. Now, I, I don't know them. I don't need to know them, but we all have them. Have you noticed that when you became a Christian, problems didn't stop? You know what happened to me when I became a Christian? Problems increased. They increased. Needs increased. Just because we're a Christian and have needs doesn't mean we're a second-class Christian or a lower-class Christian or a loser Christian. Every Christian has needs, and sometimes they're pretty, pretty intense, okay? Uh, Some of our needs are really daunting and threatening. They're really scary, and we wonder, how are we going to get through this? You ever been, had a need in your life, and maybe you're there now, you're wondering, how is this going to be resolved? How how are all the complexities of this need going to be untwisted so that I can move on in my life? and quit being dominated by this need or needs in my life. And some of them are like medium needs, where we can still function without thinking about them all of the time. And some of them are just small needs. And, you know, God meets our small needs too. I I have to admit this. Sometimes I pray for a parking space close to the door, you know, so I don't have to walk too far. And sometimes that's really sincere And God has really been faithful to do that, you know. And I had to yell at the people to get out of the space, but, (laughs) you know, I still, but no, seriously, 
God knows my needs. And even the little ones, he'll meet. He loves to meet our needs, okay? And um, some of them, again, as I said, are looming, but have you ever had a need that came to you into your life completely unexpected? No? Seriously? You were walking around just like, you know, everything's great, and all of a sudden, boom, you got rolled over by this unexpected need that came into your life. Come on, seriously, how many of you have ever had that? Okay, well, half of you are liars, okay? <laughs> but the good news is God knows about them. God knows what's coming into our life. In fact, he created those needs, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But we never inform God of our needs either. We never tell God, Lord, I have this need. It's not, it's not like God is on the throne and goes, whoa, I didn't know that Mitch had that need. God knows our needs. Sometimes he causes our needs, and I'll, I'll get to that later. But we all have needs. If, 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 that, if you believe that, can I have an amen? amen? I need encouragement too, not just you, okay? So God has... God ha knows our needs before we have them. God just didn't give us salvation and go, all right, you take it from here. I'm going to go off and do something else. Have a good life. No, he knows we have needs, and he knows that we need him to really, in a quality way, um, have those needs resolved. And I, 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 don't think I didn't come up with this um, all on my own. I have no uh, problem stealing, begging, borrowing from other sources if they help us understand more what we're studying on a Sunday. But I don't know where this kind came from, but I love it. And you're going to love it too. This is what it is. It's God's responsibility to provide for every single legitimate need that comes up in our lives. Holy mackerel. It's God's responsibility, not yours and mine, to have our needs met. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Do we forget that? Of course. We think, okay, how am I going to, hmm, what do I need to do? Uh, um, how will that ever? That's God's responsibility to meet our needs, no matter how large or small. What a wonderful, wonderful principle to live under. Really, it does. All we have to do, we just need to go to him in prayer, lay it out, trust him, you know, maybe do some confession, whatever, obey him in what he's telling us, but God takes on the responsibility to provide for every single legitimate need that comes up in our lives, and that means the church too. And as Jerry was up here talking about our new pastor, guess what? It's God's responsibility to provide our new pastor. Not ours, it's his. We just have to do what he's told us to do. I'm so excited about that, I'm going to take a drink of water. I love it. I really love it. So whatever need we're facing today, let's remember it's God's responsibility, ultimately. Because we have a merciful God, knows our needs before we ask him. He's taking on the responsibility of meeting them. He's just waiting for us to come to him and trust him in the process. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. We are not second-class Christians because we have a desperate need. I met someone in the service today, a younger person. Actually, I met several younger people. 
And my, as, as we were worshiping, and I was, Debbie was next to me, and I, my mind wandered a little bit. And um, By the way, Nate and Katrina, were, thank you for leading worship today in Dylan's absence. And I don't know if I should thank... There was actually three people up there this morning, right? <laughs> do we know the name of this person yet? We do not know the name. So they haven't even been born yet, but they were, they were up there. It is a girl. Okay. We tried three times. We didn't get a girl. Right. We got three very complacent, compliant children <laughs> who are really great guys now. But we thought Cain and Abel had been reborn, you know, at that time. <laughs> what? Are they going to? And then they be, all became best friends. It was kind of cool. Um, but we all have needs. All of us. Now, I want to go to a second thing here. I want us to talk about the possible cause of unmet needs. The possible cause of unmet needs. Sometimes our needs aren't met. You go, whoa, what happened there? I thought you said God meets all our needs. But sometimes on our part, we block the, the Lord in terms of his desires to meet our needs. And I want to go through a couple of my own that I kind of came up from experience, I guess, and, and then a list of uh, another guy's uh, unmet, uh, the causes of why our needs aren't met. And you want to know this because you want to stay out of this danger zone here. What we're going into now is a danger zone. And the danger zone is not being aware of how we're blocking God. That's a danger zone. I mean, you can be a Christian and block God in the sense of his blessings on us. So let's look at these here. First of all, we forget on a regular basis God's faithfulness to meet our needs. We forget that he's always faithful to meet our needs. There are no exceptions. And our faith takes a nosedive. And we all felt that when we're confronted with small, medium, or large needs that we have, legitimate needs, legitimate needs, no Janice Joplin, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz kind of needs, but legitimate needs, and, uh, and we forget that God is faithful to meet our needs. And so I have this buddy of mine that I went to seminary with. He's, I would say he's one of my best friends, and he was a pastor for 18 years in Montana, and now he's a, uh, a chaplain in a hospital there. And uh, we were just talking about ministry and life, and he says, hey, Mitch, how many sermons have you preached in your life of ministry? And I said, I don't know. I've never, I never counted them up, you know. I don't. But, I, but so immensely in my head, I start to think about, well, how many sermons have I, have I preached? And it came up around 2,300 sermons. And uh, ish, you know, because we used to have two, and then we, all, we had three services at one time and over in the, the, what do we call it now? The chapel. And, um, and then God gave us this bigger space. Thank you, Lord. And so I said, wow. And you know what I do every Monday? What am I going to preach on? How am I going to get anything out of this passage? And we laughed about it. We said, yeah, no matter how, God fa how faithful God is, don't we doubt sometimes? And we forget he's faithful. But he is, and we've got to trust him for that. Trust is a big part of getting our needs met. God, he demands our faith. He says if we're going to come to him and get what we can have, he needs our faith to be part of the process. Second thing is God 
is ta- we're, we're thinking God is taking time to, the reason why we have unmet needs at the time we want them is God is taking time to reveal and correct our motivation. Sometimes when we're in need is when God really, really puts us on our knees, right? Are you here today? God really puts us on our knees. He make, thank you. He makes us desperate because our motives aren't good. You know, James chapter 4, verse 3, is speaking of, to that. He says in James chapter 4, verse 3, uh, when you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Motivation is something very mysterious, isn't it? What did Jeremiah say? The heart is desperately wicked, and who can know it? I mean, we have a new nature in Christ, but we still have that mortal principle of sin in our flesh that can be corrupted sometimes. And so he takes time so that our motives come to the surface and he can clean them off and we can be properly motivated when he meets our needs. A third reason I have from from me is that uh, we forget that God and only God is our true need meter. You say, well, hey, I had some needs and I met him without God. But you know what? If you did that, you know, kudos to you. God bless you. But I guarantee you, when we meet our needs in our own time, way, shape, and form, um, there's more fallout, more confusion, more burnout, more uh, feelings hurt, people offended, and more uh, just uh, confusion than if you had let God do it instead of you. Amen. Do you ever take the scenic route? If we don't go to God to be our true need needer, we take the scenic route. We use up more gas. You know how expensive gas is, right? <laughs> our ways, our methods always fall, fall short somehow. Now, I, I was just reading here, and I, I, I come across, came across a list that Charles Stanley, one of my, one of my uh, favorite preachers, has compiled a list of possible causes of unmet needs. Some of them going to overlap with what I shared and then are good on their own. But I want to share these with you. Stanley comments and says, throughout Scripture, God promises the faithful that he will provide for them. Story after story demonstrates the Father's amazing ability and willingness, I will add, to satisfy his children's physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. God assumes full responsibility for our needs when we obey him. If our requests seemingly go unanswered, we must carefully evaluate ourselves. Why? Without realizing it, we may be hindering the answer to our prayer. Okay? And we don't want to do that. And so he gives a list of some of these things. By the way, I was talking about young people. Did I ever finish my thought? No, I, yeah. Um, The reason I mentioned that I met young people today is I thought to myself, and one was, well, anyway, they were teen years and stuff, and I thought, wow, they got the rest of their life ahead of them. And they're going to crash into so many needs. Right? I mean, you think, you old people like me, if you think about all of the needs you've had in your life, hundreds of, if not thousands. And I was thinking of these younger people, and I was thinking, they got the best, they can have, they have the Lord, amen, things are cool, but they have so much ahead of them. So I'm glad for anybody here, any young people under 60 here, I want you to be, I want to praise God, that you can hear this message today. Okay. That's, I wanted to finish that thought. Charles goes on. He says, one of the reasons that we have unmet needs is we confuse needs with wants. 
lot of times what we're asking is not a, a true legitimate need, but a want. And there's nothing wrong with asking God for a want. I've asked God for a want, and God has sometimes, according to his will, answered me. But when you too much confuse needs and wants, um, then you cancel out God's willingness to meet your need. Okay, let me read this. It's really good. We should evaluate whether our request is a longing or a necessity. A longing or a necessity. It reminds me of a story. I didn't have it in here, but it just came to my mind. H.A. Ironside was an old-time preacher, and he used to like to wander through Woolworths. Anybody remember Woolworths? Oh, good, 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 good. It was like kind of the old dollar store of its day, right? And he'd like to wander through there as a pastor and as a preacher. He'd wander through Woolworths and see all the merchandise and everything. And he did that so he could see all the things that he didn't need. <laughs> and when we prayed for God to meet our needs, they've got to be legitimate needs. And we could pray for wants, but that's not a guarantee. And we have to make sure they're needs, not greeds, you know? That they're essentials, not non-essentials, okay? But when, when it's a legitimate need, then we will not cause unmet needs. So remember that. You might be tricking yourself. Another thing is we claim Scripture, but out of context. The one we're doing today, uh, Philippians 4.19, we claim that we could, God will meet all my needs, but it's according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If we're living in rebellion and disobedience and other attitudes toward the Lord, um, that, that contradicts Scripture. And if we're, if we're bitter and unforgiving, God's not going to meet our needs the way that he would otherwise. There'll be a lot more stumbling, bumbling, scraping, raspberries on our body than there would be otherwise if we weren't committing those sins or that act of rebellion. Another reason uh, that Stanley gives for uh, uh, causes of unmet needs is uh, we just don't ask. What does it say in Scripture? Ask, it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. But you've got to ask, seek, and knock. And if you strike out on your own and do your own thing at your own time, don't expect God to meet our needs, your needs, my needs. And this one's a big one for me. Well, it's a big one for all of us. We neglect to wait on God's timing. That's a cause of an unmet need. We rush into something. We try to pressure the Lord. We try to rubber stamp it ourselves and say, I heard the Lord tell me. You know, God told me which God? Your God or the Bible? God of the Bible. We don't wait on God's timing. Isn't there a beauty and a wonder and an awesomeness about God's timing? No? Okay, well, I think there is, okay? And you, it's, just, it's like one of those blocks games that I, I, I see little toddlers playing with, and they slide that square piece of wood around, and they can't get it in a circle, and they can't get it in a triangle, and ooh, there it is in the square, and it falls into place. Waiting for God's timing when it comes to our unmet needs, personally and or as a church, is a thrill. But going off on our own timing is a, a recipe for uh, uh, having our needs unmet because God does not want to do 
things according to our timing because he wants to bless us. And sometimes we're stubborn and he lets us do the scenic route. Okay. And then a couple more. Um, we aren't open to the Lord's methods. God will meet his, our needs any way, time, shape, or form he wants to, and we shouldn't stand in the way of that. Do you ever get surprised by how God's met your needs? Oh, my goodness. You've had this need, you've prayed about it, and all of a sudden, you know, God is really good at coming up behind you and tapping you on the shoulder and surprising you. How he does it? Let him do it the way he wants to do it. Because I've often thought, this is how God's going to do it. And it never happens that way. And then another cause of unmet needs is that we lose our focus. We lose our focus. The need becomes so big and God becomes so small that we're choked by our own unbelief. That's why we have to stay in the Word of God to have a clear, accurate perception of God. Okay? And finally, and I think this is, this is, this is the knockout punch here, guys. So listen up. Listen up. Heads up, eyes open. Bulletins down. All right? It's we, uh, I think one of the greatest causes of unmet needs is a lack of trust, a lack of faith. What makes me get a little bit nervous every Monday after over 2,000-something sermons? And I've just been thinking, God, I trust you. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Nervousness over whether God's going to come through. He always has, and he always will under the right under the right obedience in our part and you're coming into this you're thinking man i got this thing or our church has got this thing we're looking for a pastor god, let god have the responsibility of doing that and we do what we're supposed to do and it's all going to happen right if we trust him can i get an amen? amen i'm excited to see who god will bring to us as a result of our trust in him we don't trust ourselves we trust god his time, his way, his shape, his form for his glory. And so a lack of trust when we're hit with a major uh, punch in the mouth. Okay? So we need to understand that these are causes of unmet needs. And even when God seems far away and he's not communicating the way we think he should, just trust him. And this is how, I'll tell you what, I'm a, more a man of faith than I was a year ago. And I'm not saying that's much, but as I've seen God respond to faith, I think that I'm believing in him a little more and a little more. And my faith is growing incrementally. Why? Because God's always true to his word. And so those are some causes of unmet needs. Let's go to a third thing here. If we're going to have our needs met, that we need to know that there's a main premise to the promise of God's provision. I'm proud of that statement. You're not getting my humor this morning. <laughs> there is a main premise to the promise of God's provision. I want to tell you what the main premise is, okay? You're not going to like it, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Um, let's read 14 through 8. Or I'll just, you know what? I'm not going to read it. Just put verses 14 through 18 up there if you would. Of, uh, yes, thank you. Um, I want you to look at the first, do we have verse 19 too? I want you to look, uh, the first, look at the first word of verse 19. 
in your Bibles or up top. What's the first word? Huh? And, again, this side of the church is the more spiritual side. <laughs> and this side of the church will be meeting with the deacons afterward for a public rebuke. It's the word and. Let's say it together. And. Now, that's a connector. It connects verses 14 through 18 to verse 19. And how many times have you heard Philippians 4:19 as a Bible meditation or a sermon or a little, like, on a little calendar or whatever, and it's just verse 19? Context, 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 context. You've got to preach context when you preach the Word of God. Now, what's the context? I'm going to run through it, 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 through it quickly for you. But the context is the generosity of the Philippian church to Paul's ministry. Okay, I'm going to go quick here, but just fasten your seatbelt. In verse 14, he said to those people, thank you for giving, I'm paraphrasing, thank you for sharing in my financial troubles, in verse 14. Thank you. Thank you for giving to my financial, for my financial needs. And then in verse second, uh, first, uh, 14 again, they, they gave for Paul's ministry generously when he was in Greece. And then in, in verse 15, it says the Philippians were unique and unmatched in their giving. Okay? And then in uh, verse 16, while Paul was in Thessalonica, they continually gave to him a steady stream of support. And then in verse 17 and 18, he, it says he wasn't looking or soliciting for their gifts like false teachers do. By the way, if you're, if you're going to give to somebody, give to people. Um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just assuming that you're giving to the church. But if you see a ministry out there, if they talk more about money than ministry, don't give to them. You, you hear me? This is where I get angry and use all kinds of words I shouldn't use, so I'm going to try to be well-behaved this morning. But I hate those people that rob and steal from people on their pensions and elderly people and psychologically manipulate them to give up their grocery money or their rent money or their savings just to pad their pockets with money. I hate them because they're stealing from people, God's people, and their judgment will be severe. Paul says we're not like the many who peddle the word of God for profit. Be careful, discern where you give your finance. Put that back up there, would you, if you could? Thank you. Um, I forgot where I was. But anyway, uh, verse 17 and 18, just be careful with your money when you get to the Lord's causes because there's a lot of people out there that talk more about money than their ministry. You never, other than when I hit a passage, hear me talking about money. Unless it's a strikingly important need. For those of you that have known me for three years, is that an amen? Yeah. I figure if you love people and you preach the word of God, you don't have to worry about money. And it's been proven true. In fact, I want... You know, my buttons are bursting for more than one reason here today. And one of the reasons I looked in the financial... Where, Linda, are you here today? 
Well, she's going to freak. Oh, good, she's not here. She'll freak out if I call her out. You know, we're 20 grand ahead in our budget at halfway through the year. And it's the middle of summer. God, thank you, Cedar Home, for giving. Of our budget, I didn't say our expenses. I said our budget. Okay, that's neat. That's cool. Anyway, um, so Paul says, I'm excited to receive uh, that. Uh, I better start from the beginning. He wasn't looking for gifts from them, but he was excited to receive gifts from them. Why? So he could buy a new car? No, he was so excited for them because he knew they would be blessed by God for their generous giving. Now, you got to be careful because this is where the false teachers, you know, you know, hold your wallet in front of the TV screen and I'll breathe on it and you'll get tenfold. You can tell I have a certain hobby horse here, but oh my gosh, those guys, they know how to trick people. I've, t I've sat with Debbie in front of him. I says, not yet. She says, are you sure? I said, yeah, just wait. Not yet. It's coming. Wait now. Just be patient. Here, 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 here. Boom, the money. I have a, it's a discernment level. Be careful. But Paul says, I'm so excited that you're giving generously to me because God's going to give you credit in your investment. And that credit is, you'll see, in verse 19. That's what the and is all about. We've got we to speak from... Uh, uh, um, the whole context. And what does he say? And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches to Christ Jesus. Now, here's, the, here's the, the main premise to the promise of God's provision. Give generously, cheerfully, regularly, genuinely, with the right motive, not to get but knowing that God will give back. Isn't it, you know, you gotta be, we've had, I'm really all about accuracy here. We don't give to get, do we? That's the big tease in the false teachers. Give your money. God, you will get. I hate when I hear that. We don't give to get, but will we get? Yes. God will always level the playing field, and sometimes more. That's up to his discretion when we give generously. It's the great fear, giving beyond my means. But when we do, God always levels the playing field in unique and wonderful ways. And so the premise, the main premise to the promise of God's provision is to give like the Philippians, generously, cheerfully, knowing that God will give back. We don't give to get, but we know that if we do give, we will get. It's just we have to maintain clarity. Are you guys with me on this? Okay, now let's go through the details of this last verse, and then we'll be done. So now we're going to look fourthly. Um, and, and I will say that um, giving generously opens the channel for God to wonderfully, joyfully 
minister to our needs in his powerful way. That's what the and is for. And my, since you're giving, like the Philippians, I, I'm repeating myself, you're generous. You're so kind in your giving. And God will meet all your needs. See how it's connected, everybody? God to take scripture in context. All right, now what does it say? And I'll, I'll hurry. I'm going to try to get done. And, so I said that's the connector. We tend to divorce that from verse 19. It's not divorced. 19 is connected to their model of generous giving. And if we don't meet the premise to be generous, we can't stand on the promise of God meeting our needs. Now, generous for you might be, uh, it's, it's, it's got to be between you and the Lord. We, Deb and I, we do, the, we do the tithing. That's what we have grown up with. We do the 10% off the top, but that's just the beginning of where we go. You may say, I don't, I don't tithe. That's not a New Testament concept. Fine and dandy. I call it grace giving. Give, do grace giving. But just remember that grace always supersedes the law. Grace is always greater than the law. Um, <laughs> New Testament giving. All right. Remember, grace is way better than the law. <laughs> you guys with me? All right. It's, it's by the way, trying to, it's so much fun to give. You say, fun? I don't see that. <laughs> it's in the book of hesitations, okay? And uh, the book of maps, you know? No, listen, it is fun because God never doesn't reply. And if we can just grit our teeth, swallow hard, and do what we're told to do by giving generously, the principle of reciprocity is always there. He reciprocates at least to meet the need, if not go greater, according to his will. You'll never hear that from the prosperity gospel preachers. They promise all kinds of stuff so they can get your money. Anyway, so and connecting. My God... God's willingness to meet our need is based on his love for us, our relationship with him through Christ. Um, Paul calls God my God. Well, why does Paul call God my God? He calls God my God because he has a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. He's a child of God. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a child of God, which guarantees us that we are in a position for God to supply and give us everything we need. We're his children. And I have a grandchild now. And, and, and from what I understand now, talking with my wife, we've now spent $55,742 on toys. <laughs> I heard a hiss over there. It's like, uh, did you hiss me? <laughs> she did. That's the first time that's ever happened. We love our grandson. We love our sons. And when they were young, we loved giving them things. And we tried not to give to where it was harmful for them. But we love giving our children things. And God loves meeting our needs because we're his children. Amen. All right. He has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul knew that if God wiped away his sins through the blood of his only son 
and gave Paul new life in Christ and indwelled him with the Holy Spirit, and that Christ had God to heaven to prepare a home for him, he could depend on him to meet his needs. Romans 8.32, Shall not he who gave up his son for us all, will he not along with him freely give us all things? Rhetorical question, right? Of course. Number three, and my God shall supply all your needs. God who? What God? Who, what God were these people, these writers referring to? The God of the? God of the old, the God of the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm only going to give a certain amount of hints here. Um, I mean, that's what they were reared in. That's what soaked their mind. The God who, of all creation, spoke in all creation in one word. The, the God who, 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 who sent the flood upon the earth. The God who split the Red Sea, which is a huge body of water. It's not some pond or like Lake Ketchum or something like that. It's a huge body of water. The God who made time stand still and nothing bad happened. That God will meet your needs. The promise is... For sure. Our job, faith. Without faith, we can't please God. For those who come to him must but believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six. He'll meet some of your needs. All of your needs. Everyone, no exceptions. What did you come in with today? God promises to meet your needs, all of them, every single one. According to what? His glorious riches. Take all the riches of this earth, all the riches of the sky and the stars, all the riches of the, the, the hundreds of millions of galaxies and the universe that God created in one word, and all the glory of heaven and earth. These great riches are at God's disposal to meet our needs. Instantaneously. In Christ Jesus. We've got to be in Christ, have it in Christ Jesus. God does nothing apart from Christ. He does nothing apart from Christ. He comes through our relation, in Christ and through our relationship with Christ. So, to conclude, what are your needs this morning? I came in with a, a few. And you know what is in me also? More so than last year and the year before. You know, want to know what's in me? Excitement. Not like goofy excitement, but excitement that God's going to meet him. He has been, and he's going to. And I'm not, this is not just fairy tale, kind of like space cadet kind of thinking. This is based on the word of God. It's based on the word of God and his promises. And some of you came in here with those. I just want to challenge you. Do you have a need for wisdom or guidance? Do you have a need for finances? I thought a couple of unique ones I never really mentioned. Do you have a need for courage? Are you, are you in a situation where you just need courage? I think of myself as that lion in The Wizard of Oz, you know? I'm just a scaredy cat in a lot of ways. But, but God will give us courage. And he'll give us endurance. Do you need endurance right now? I've talked to people lately that need endurance. Are you expressing these needs to the great provider and then trusting him in faith to meet them? 
in his time and his way and thanking him ahead of time and then thanking him after you've had your needs met to confirm who actually did it. And I want to just say a couple more things. Did you know that God creates needs in our lives, both individuals and as a church family, so that we may develop, so that he may develop in us greater faith and character, even though the needs may seem impossible? God creates those needs so that we'll have to depend on him more and our character is developed. I would, pay, I would probably confirm, sorry, search committee, going to pick on you. I, I would probably confirm that their character and their level of dependence has increased in the last whatever months it's been. Am I wrong? I don't think so. God allows these needs to come into our lives so that we'll trust in him more and our character is developed and for us to see how he works. And I, I think that, you, as uh, Jerry said at, be, at the beginning of the service, pray for our search committee because pray that they would grow in faith and in character and in trusting God because they carry a heavy burden. But that goes for all of us. We all have unique needs, okay? And we need to just trust God with them. And so I'm just asking, is it God's desire to take care of you? Of course. He brought us to faith in Christ. Then trust in him to meet those needs that are in your life right now. And he'll come through for you. I guarantee it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for um, this time-worn passage that we could never get enough of. And thank you that you have proven this passage to me in desperate times, confusing times, and needy times. And it's, 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 it's like you're walking on the edge of the life of God in you when you do this, but it's so exciting to see a faithful God come through for his children when they trust him. Make us aware of any reasons that why you would hold off on meeting our needs on our part. Help us to discern that. And I pray for every person here, young, middle school, high school, college, young marrieds, uh, parents with young adults and seniors. Father, help us all, single people, to see you meet our needs and increase our joy and faith. And we do again pray, Lord God, and thank you in advance for bringing the man here that will bless Cedar Home for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.